fellow goblins and ghouls, and welcome to another episode of My Haunted Life Podcast with me, your host, Angela Hartshorn. How are you all doing today, my loves? I hope you are having a fantastic week. Make sure to make some time for yourself and don't forget to drink water. On today's podcast, I talk to the one and only Christian Day who is one of the producers of WitchCon, happening virtually this weekend. Many of our past guests of the podcast will be presenters at WitchCon, so definitely go check them out. Witches come in all shapes and sizes, paths and creeds, left and right hands. Saying you are a witch does not mean you are a certain color, race, sexuality, heritage, political stance, religion, any of it. It really just means you walk a path of magic, really. Christian is known for his outspokenness and his ability to engage people in a wide range of subject matters, some considered controversial. He likes to refer to himself as the Howard Stern of the witchcraft world. After this quick word from our sponsors, I'll be back with Christian talking about WitchCon and a variety of things. Okay, today I am on with Christian Day, and sir, you are a author, an entrepreneur, you own how many witch shops now? Four? Uh, my husband, Brian Kane, and I own two shops in New Orleans named Hex and Omen, and we have two shops in Salem, Massachusetts, also named Hex and Omen. Uh, you guys also have a publishing company? And that's Warlocks um, Inc., right? Yeah. Well, Warlocks Inc. is our parent corporation. Oh. It's the umbrella of everything. And within it, we have, <coughs> excuse me, we have Hex and Omen in Salem, Massachusetts. We have Hex and Omen in New Orleans, Louisiana. We have the New Orleans Spirits and Spells Walking Tour here in Louisiana, which is currently on pause because of COVID. We have Warlock Press, which is our new publishing company. We have Psychics for Hire, which is our psychic hotline. And we have, oh, what am I missing? There's something else. I don't know, but there's so, oh, oh Festival of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Dead in October, which includes a, a, a 31-day psychic fair, the official Salem, which is Halloween Ball, and a number of other uh, workshops designed to honor the spirits. And then, of course, in August, in New Orleans, we have Hexfest, which you've vended at. And we have, uh, you know, so that's a, a weekend of witchery here in New Orleans. So there, there's so many things always going on. Oh, and we have onlineseance.com now, too, oh. where uh, there are seances via Zoom, and we have 
uh, Marion Hedger and her assistants that come in and help her, you know, do the seances for people around the world. And she was just featured, uh, and it should be coming up in the next couple of months. She was filmed doing a seance for the Real Housewives of New York City. Oh, my gosh. Really, really talented. Oh, this is so cool. I didn't know about that one. I'm going to have to look that one up. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, there's always a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've i done HexFest a couple times with you guys now, and I absolutely adore it. Uh, is there any word about it happening this year? Well, right now, it's happening. Good. I mean... You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm certainly not. I won't ever do the live stream version again. It was just too difficult mm-hmm. because it, it, people felt it was too expensive for a live stream, but I couldn't lower the price because then you have to refund all the original people and then you're just, it's a bookkeeping nightmare. So I just kept it the way it was, but it just, it's not designed for the online space. And so uh, we. If we have to cancel it this year, we're just going to move it to the following year. And Mm -hmm. then any presenters that we scheduled for 2022, well, they'll just go to 2023. Uh Um, And, of course, I forgot the most important thing that's coming up of all the different things we have going on. I was totally leading to it. Yep. (laughs) Oh, well, that is – well, because um, we – Back in July, you know, when we were really going gangbusters, you know, people really seemed to enjoy the idea of the online festival, even if they felt HexFest wasn't the right model for it. They liked the idea of learning online. You know, know, if they're going to HexFest, they want the dinner, they want the riverboat, they want the warmth. But there was something underlying it all, you know, that my assistant Kevin and, and Brian and Sandra and I were all talking about. Uh, that this was, um, you know, a real potential here, you know, and then in July, there were some, you know, there were some issues and some people were, you know, some of my haters were kind of getting on some of my presenters for HexFest for being at HexFest. Hmm. And so I turned to, I, I turned to Kevin, I said, well, they're harassing 15 presenters. What would they do if it was like up to a hundred presenters? <laughs> and so we created WitchCon and I said, you know, I'm going to give them so many presenters, they can't bother them. Well, they'd still try. But what's great about WitchCon is we set about to create a festival that wasn't like a refugee. You know, like all these festivals that were supposed to be in person and now they're online and, you know, everything's sort of cobbled together but not really designed for the online space. It still has these regional presenters and what have you or what they can get. And so what I did was I sat back and I said, now, if I were going to go to an online festival, what would entice me? It was the same rationale that Sean Poirier, my my late best friend, and I created Festival of the Dead with. It's what Brian and I created HexFest with. What would we want to go to? How would, you know, we don't want to just, we're not just money grubbers, you know what I mean? We like money, but (laughs) we don't do anything. We don't do anything for just that. You know what I mean? Like, I have to want something of quality that I would want to personally experience. Oh, yeah. And so with with WitchCon, I said, now, what would make an international festival amazing? And I said, well, first of all, I'm sorry, online. What would make an online festival amazing? What about taking it international? 
Now, I only speak one language, so I, I don't know how well <laughs> I met a whole lot of, you know, multiple speakers of different kinds. However, what if we have people from all over the world, people that if, you know, even Hexfest, if we had to bring people from all these multiple countries, it would be extremely expensive. Oh, yeah. And, oh, we do sometimes bring, we get a few coming over, at least two coming over from the UK this year, I think, or maybe just one, I don't know. We got Geraldine Beskin, I know we have her. She owns Atlantis Bookshops, which has you know, been there for 90-something years. It's, and yeah. Art Crowley would hang out there. You know what I mean? Like, this is, you know, old school. That's a cult awesome. shop, you know, goodness. And she's amazing, you know. And so um, I thought, well, you know, we've got Yulia Tarola from, um, uh, what is it? Uh, she is from Modena, Italy. Mm. And... You know, we've got uh, Georgi Mishev from Plodiv, Bulgaria. Oh. You know, we've got people from Brazil, all over the UK, Australia, you know, Canada, all over the world. And so that, to me, was like, this gives you access to so many different people from so many places. And we've even got one person, uh, Idu Scarfon, who's a really well-known witch in Brazil, and he doesn't speak English, so he's bringing a translator. I don't have too much of that because it's hard to do when you don't speak English. It's like my staff might have trouble, you know, integrating there. Um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I, I think it's so cool that it's still included. I mean, doing a worldwide con and not having at least one person with a translator is like, I would be shocked if he didn't have at least one. That's I, I did not realize how far-reaching WitchCon had become, because I'm like, I, I recognize quite a bit of the names, obviously. Um, well, some are from the middle of nowhere, so you won't. <laughs> yeah, there's, there, how many, do you know, like, a total per amount of presenters you have for WitchCon? Um. We had a couple people that weren't able to do it because one guy's getting rid of his internet, and I knew I knew before I asked him. He's a really amazing author. Uh, uh, what is it, Gary Michael Nottingham? But he's one of those off the grid people. He don't like being on the grid, so mm. he's getting rid of his internet. And, and he's an author with Avalonia. So Sarita told me, he said, "This guy's off the grid, but you might get him. You might not." And uh, you know, then um, you know, I know. Uh, there was a couple that, you know, just they had losses to COVID and what have you. Mm. Um, you know, nothing drama related or anything like that. But uh, there are currently, um, I think, including Brian and I, 101 maybe? It might be 100 now. Wow. Uh, let me just look. One, two, three, four, five, six, rows of four. 24 rows of four times four is 96 plus three is 99, but there are um, at least, well, the Buckland Museum is two people doing that, so that's <gasps> Uh, the Buckland Museum of Magic, of Witchcraft and Magic in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, 
and uh, they're a pair. And then uh, Shaw Marie and uh, Kelly Jeffrey, uh, from, they're from the Swamp One Tribe group on, on Facebook, which is a huge popular group of conjure workers and witches and magical people. And so they're a couple. So that uh, brings it up to 101. Wow. Uh, presenters well more if you count the dragon ritual drummers is five but you know what i mean the point is it's 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 you know there's 99 workshops 101 presenters it is off the charts no one has ever done anything like this ever no i'm going I'm cheating and just going through the list because I'm like, wait, is this person involved? I can't remember because I couldn't remember if Fiona was a part of it. And I was going to be shocked if she wasn't because I've had Fiona. I've had Sandra. I've had Tanya on the show. Michael's going to be on the show in the next couple months. Um, Yes. Well, because we've got, um, you know, when you're this large, you have three Michaels. We have Michael oh, Farrell, yeah, sorry. Michael Fury, and Michael Herkes. Yeah, so, Mr. Herkes. But I'm also seeing, like, Kadrick Olsen, who was on. You know, I, I forget who sent me to him. I don't remember if it was Sarita. Somebody sent me to him and said, this guy is the person to get for the Norse magic. He's not one yes. of these racist types, you know, like he's cool and he's progressive and you know not you know like you sometimes you got to be careful with the Arthur true and the north magic yes. and all because there's the tracks you know and frankly witchcraft as a whole is getting a lot of these weird crazies you know on the right wing and you know my friend pastor phil wyman uh we were on the cover of the wall street journal together because he was excommunicated from the four square gospel church for being oh. friends with me and he's a Pentecostal, kind of right-wingy minister, but he doesn't like Trump and doesn't like the Qs, and he doesn't like how the QAnon <laughs> is infiltrating Christianity, and I don't like how they're into, you know, infiltrating paganism and magical communities. You know, I'm not a pagan per se, but, you know, it's all tied together. Yeah. And so, you know, we're going to be talking on his podcast about, you know, the Qs and how that's becoming an issue, but I also think, you know, you consider something like horseshoe theory, which is the idea that political extremes tend to bend together, if not necessarily in goals or in policies or principles, but in their tactics, you know. And so this idea of authoritarianism, maybe not fascism per se, but authoritarianism is bubbling up on both ends. And we've been dealing with it with Hexfest presenters and WitchCon presenters, because there's people that, you know, have formed opinions about me, some of them based on, you know, my sort of bitchy attitude, and other, you know, <laughs> most of them based on things I've never said or done. And so, you know, people get these opinions, and then they're like, how dare anybody present at his events? And then they go and start harassing them. And it's like, first of all, I mean, I don't really go to things unless I'm in charge of them, unless I know somebody has my back. Like, I might once in a while do Witches Fest in New York, and I'll go to Lori Cabot's Witches Ball because mm. I know what will happen to anybody that is rude to me at either of those things, and it won't be pretty for those people. But you know, I generally don't put myself into the public suit because I am a very public figure, 
And so people form opinions. And so they're, you know, like what we do with celebrity in America, you know, and around the world, that we become possessive of our favorites or our not-so-favorites people <laughs> in public eye, you know what I mean? And so we feel like we own them. You know, so I go somewhere, I'm no longer just a Christian Day, you know, I want to present this class and maybe take some other classes. I'm Christian Day, the person that exists in this individual's head who sees me as a celebrity to love or to hate, and more importantly than anything else, to own. Mm-hmm. And so, they, you know, now my opinion needs to be somehow managed by them, or, as they say, shut up and sing, we aren't allowed to have one in the public eye, you know. And, and many years ago, Streisand did a, did a speech at Harvard called The Artist as Citizen, where she talked about, you know, when you become well-known, you know, obviously I'm no Streisand, but when you become <laughs> well-known, no one is, but when you become well-known, you, you don't give up your right to your opinion. My opinion doesn't have to be some prevailing, you know, far left or far right or any opinion of anybody you know no one owns my opinion but me and that is should be true and is true of everyone you know so this idea you know i'm very with president obama and and others that have been speaking out about cancel culture that you know there needs to be a different approach to this i don't know as i heard a term i liked called consequence culture or something where, you know, hmm. like we have the, the prison system. You know, you go to jail for X number of years, you paid your price, you do this, okay, now you're back in society, hopefully people will give you a chance, you know, and not, you know, treat you like this pariah forever. You know, it feels like with this latest cancel culture that there's no room for redemption. And then the argument no. goes, what if, what if they're racist? And what if they're a neo-Nazi? Well, some even they, you know, look, I hate that sort of thing, but is there room for redemption? Can that person come out of it? And more importantly, what happens when you eject a person so thoroughly from their community and the constellation of communities around that community, it's nice to think we've othered them to the point where they don't exist, uh, Angela, but in reality, they all will go somewhere. And hopefully that person we totally expel from the community doesn't end up becoming a Trump voter or a neo-Nazi or or that. Because, you you know, that is what, you know, we don't, you really, really don't have the power to cancel somebody entirely. We simply just shift them around. Oh, yeah. I feel like in a lot of times when that happens, they have a tendency to almost get worse. (laughs) Well, I do. <laughs> I do. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine. Well, I don't want to. I'm sure he wouldn't think of me as a friend, and I don't know that I think of him as a friend. And I'm not even going to name him, but he's in some of those <laughs> pantheon circles, and you know, officially doesn't like me. But we've had some really good conversations. You know, and I'm like, you know, we, you know, his concern is, well, you, you know, you and who too, and you, you know, when they criticize you, you're like, fuck you, I'll sell more books and. You know, it just really dismisses people's criticisms. I'm like, you're goddamn right, I'm going to dismiss them. If somebody's criticisms are coming from this constructive place where they want to sit and have a conversation and they can listen to what I think and I can listen to what they think and we can try to find a middle ground or a compromise or a place where maybe we find some place where we can agree 
and then also agree to disagree. You know, and obviously, you know, I have my people I cancel. I've deleted hundreds of Trump supporters, hundreds. So it's not like I don't have my boundary where I go, okay, you're a loser. I don't want to talk to you, mm-hmm. including my half-brother. My own half-brother called my husband a racist against white people and then said generally he was a hero. And I'm like, okay, we're not talking to you anymore. Fuck you. I'm just so, like, Brian? Really? <laughs> Uh, no, 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 my, my brother called Brian a racist against white people. Wow. Like, couldn't be whiter, but okay. Yeah. You know, so, you know, and I'm like, here's what we're not going to do. You know, you can criticize me, motherfucker, but you didn't come to my <laughs> wedding. My Jesus-y half-sister, who I also don't speak to, didn't come to my wedding because she doesn't like gays or witches. You know, uh-huh. and these, you know, you're going to have this. But, you, you know, you can say this to me, but you will not. You didn't come to my wedding. You're going to come criticize my husband. That's what's not going to be happening. So, you know, I get what my friend was saying. You know, there, you know, you got to sort of clean up the community. It's, it's the how, you know, it's when it becomes this, you know, entitled hubris of, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember when there was one uh, presenter that we have who I actually invited her because they did this to her because a group of people in the pagan world decided to band together heard stories about this particular teacher and you know that said she was abusive now you know i get it could be true but i also know that when i see a negative thread about me that somebody starts and it might even be something true like oh christian called somebody a bad word you know whatever (laughs) but then the thread goes on to be like all these people i've never heard of inserting themselves into the story Hmm. you know sort of like sort of like the girls in the salem witch trial saying oh i see a yellow bird and then the other one's like oh i see a chicken oh there's a shape and you know no one in the courtroom can see these things yeah but they they all want to be part of the story and so i see these people and like literally now there's a string and you know all the people are liking each other's fake stories and then this becomes the truth of me that isn't so i'm very jaded when you know, people say, oh, this one's an abuser, that one's a this, you know, take them to court. And so um, basically a group of these authors and, and, and group leaders got together and they decided this woman's an abuser. We've independently verified it. You can trust us. And I went nuclear. I was like, well, I called up the person. I said, what'd you do? She said, well, I screamed at some of my students that weren't doing the work. I said, oh, I'd have thrown a chair. You know, and you know, and they were like, "Oh, I slept with a couple students." I said, "Was it consensual?" Yeah, okay. You know, I can see some people saying, "Oh, when you're a group leader, you know, you know, you have an unbalanced power dynamic." Oh, give me a break! It's not like she held a gun to their pussy. <laughs> you, know, like, give me a, you know, so I'm just saying, like, whatever. Like, it's not my zebra, not my zoo. But what bothered me wasn't, you know, was this, is this person guilty? Is she innocent? Is it this, this, this? It was that they had decided. You know, and the queen of this was T. Thorne Coyle. You know, I, I don't know if you know who she is. She's not really in our circles. I was going to say, um, that's not one I recognize. Yeah, well, you know, she's desperately seeking Starhawk. Um, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which I saw her name on the list, just saying. I'm like, that was like my oh, girl growing up. We don't have Starhawk. I'd love to have Starhawk. But, what name um, did I see? Um, probably Phyllis Crook. Well, I liked, well, 
I think Starhawk is probably the most boring public speaker I've ever seen, but I love her books. But I've seen her speak like 30 years ago. That's how back I, how back I go. I think she was a great speaker, Raven but... Wolf. Oh, my God. That's what I did. Oh, Sorry. Oh, Raven Wolf. Oh my no, God! St- I mean, but, I mean, I wouldn't be averse. I don't think Starhawk would do anything with my name on it. But she's never expressed any negativity towards me. But I think I'm sort of we're very different kinds of people. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, she's very safe and you know comforting and you know PC, and I'm sort of Howard Stern. So you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't really see her, you know, and I connecting, but. You know, I don't begrudge her or anything, but, you know, teeth on cool, cool. Well, I had an issue with this, you know, and I called up Devin Hunter and I said, you know, you know, and then he said I bullied him for doing this. I kind of did. I didn't like what I saw. He said, I'll bring the power of my empire down upon this. And what I didn't like was that they came out with this statement and it basically said, we've independently verified that this person's an abuser. And if somebody replied to the statement on Facebook and said, well, what did she do? And what? how dare you shame the victims into reliving their trauma? And I'm looking at this saying to myself, this is the United States of America, people. We have the right to confront our accuser. We have the right to know of what we are being accused you know, the only time you really see exceptions to that is when the victims are children. Yeah. There does have to be some sort of anonymity there, but it's not entirely so. Somebody's seeing what's going on in the courtroom. There's not this star chamber justice. You know, there was an old movie in the 80s called The Star Chamber where the judges would get together and if the cases, you know, if they felt the case went the wrong way, they'd send some assassin out to kill the person. Oh. Because they, you know, it was, it was a star chamber. You know, you're in the basement. You're, so T. Thorne Coyle and the rest of these people set themselves up as voices for the rest of us. And here's the thing. The only voice I want for the rest of us is the court of law. Mm-hmm. I would trust my fate, especially these days. I would trust my fate. And I, I'm telling the truth here to a court in Saudi Arabia before I would trust it to the court of pagan public opinion. Like, if they had the same execution, you know, not obviously now, but if if the pagan court of public opinion could actually, you know, execute people and throw them in jail, I'd, I'd take my chances with Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I would, because there's no redemption... Oddly, because here's the interesting paradox of it all. You know, there's a book coming out from Llewellyn uh, in the next several months. And I think it's either witchcraft for prisoners or paganism for prisoners. And then they've got, you know, God knows prison ministry is the go-to for half of the pagan leaders out there. Hmm. And so, you know, they'll scream about me because I made a very regrettable reference to rape when I was in an argument with somebody seven years ago and it wasn't the right thing. And I thought my mother, who had been raped, you know, was going to come back at me from the spirit world. So I donated $3,000 to Rain. And I'm like, oh, blah, 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 blah. you know, for me to think I've gone, I mean, I literally, I, like Kathy Griffin says, I move the line, I cross the line, I move it again. I, you know, it's like I'm a line crosser, always have been. So when I think I went too far, it's like, ooh, you know, stop the presses. But, you know, they'll say I should be canceled forever because of this comment seven years ago, but they'll go minister to a five-time serial rapist in jail. 
Like, mm. is it odd that I question the logic of this? You know what I mean? Like, so if I were an actual rapist, you'd hand me a chalice and a wafer? You know what I mean? Like, I just don't understand that. You know, that's what I don't get. I'm not saying I don't make mistakes. If I do, I do my best to own them. But again, that's my journey. That's not theirs. If I apologize, I apologize. If I don't, I didn't mean to apologize. You know, there's things I've said I don't regret. And there's things they say I've said I've never said. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting sort of web that sort of exists around me in orbit. You know, there's all this, it's sort of like a planet with a lot of satellite debris up there, you know, and it's like, you don't know which satellites work, which ones don't, <laughs> you know, and it's like, it, it is that sort of thing, you know, it's like I can go on the internet and read that I'm a murderer and a, somebody on Tumblr said I was a serial rapist, and it, you know, it's, it, I mean, I haven't seen a vagina since I crawled out of 151 <laughs> years ago, other than from far away, and so, you know, no, that's not true, but people want to believe the salacious and that's fine. I'm like the tabloid of the pagan world. So that's why I just brought back my uh, podcast, which is uh, Hex Offenders. You know, they're freaking out over that little twist of, you know, I thought it was funny. But, <laughs> you know, the, the idea is let's have comedy out of this. If I've got to deal with this drama, we're going to have fun with it. I'm going to have people call in. Some will call in to debate me, and I'm, I welcome that. Some will call in to support me i welcome that too someone want to share their stories of you know what they've had to deal with in the magical community and, and someone did this last episode you know about how someone broke up not only her marriage but a magical working partnership in british witchcraft which is taken very very seriously yeah you know and it was kind of a form of blasphemy with an initiatory craft and so you know this one woman that's been really harassing me publicly and going after our guests you know if someone says they bought a ticket to witchcon or hexfest she'll harass them on their own facebook page i mean hmm. i you see all the friends i have angela like you all post something i don't like you i might see you in your feed i mean i don't know i haven't happened have it happen but i could conceivably see you post an author i don't like i'm not going to go on your wall and rain on y'all's fun by saying, I didn't like that author, because it'd be rude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I would never do what these people do. You know, so naturally, when this person continued to hurl out, you know, this and that, I said, well, didn't she break up this person? So, of course, I asked the woman if she'd come on the show and tell her story about what happened with her marriage. And you should have seen the ladies on the show. Oh. I put all the comments on the screen. I couldn't even fit them. There were three times. I'd throat punch her, I'd cut her, I'd take a bat. Like, people were freaking out. They're like, oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. He's encouraging violence. I'm like, no, I'm not encouraging violence. I'm just showing what these women feel about somebody sending them a message saying, you just have to come to terms with the fact that I'm going to be in your husband's life whether you like it or not. Hmm. Like, imagine getting a message like that. Yeah, that would not go over well with me. <laughs> with, who, who wouldn't go over with me? You know, you'd want to get a flamethrower, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. who wouldn't that be? You know, I don't know a single woman that would go over. It certainly wouldn't go over with me. Wouldn't go over with my husband. Like My husband's like, well, if, I, if that person said it to my face, I'd punch him in the face. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, it's, 
because you just it's wrong you know and so i am using that hex offenders as you know whereas brian and levi use their show Covendom, which is amazing they're very funny too and they use it as an educational platform for alexandrian craft and mm-hmm. craft. And i use Covendom as the broader sort of magical commentary on the magical communities uh pop culture the news i might even talk about the news or politics you know and just give it my spin and more than anything have people call in and be part of the discussion and the direction that it takes and so you know it's sort of like wendy williams you know she calls her audience her co-hosts like my co-hosts are my studio audience but my co-hosts are my callers that makes sense and so they're you know, they're part of the process. I'm probably stamping all over your questions. So oh, no, you're good. So far, I'm just talk, uh, just asking about you and your background. And, um, I mean, really, I have two questions about, well, a couple questions, but uh, about uh, which con is when is it, what time is it, how can people find it kind of thing. And Isn't it interesting you ask that question? And I will say why. Well, what was the other question? Sorry. Uh, just basically the rest of the details. I just wanted to make sure we got all the uh, which oh. one details. That's all. Well, it's just interesting that you asked the question because I'm literally buried in the programming of fixing the question. Oh. <coughs> well, see, here's what happened. So if, you know, I if you were to measure my, you know, PHP programming, which is like server-based website programming. Okay. On a scale of 1 to 100, 100 being the best expert there is, I'm probably a, a, a 10. Okay. You know, maybe a 10. That might be being kind. If you were to put my JavaScript scale on a, you know, 1 to 100, 100 being the most expert, it's probably like a 3 or a 2. Okay. So, you know, I decided, I saw this moment JavaScript library thing that's supposed to allow you to put the schedules in people's time zones. Oh. And so I went to up, you know, because me being me, I'm like not just going to say, make sure you go and check your time zone to make sure you're going in the right time. I'm like, I don't want to put my guests through that, and I certainly don't want to put my presenters through that because they might show up at the wrong time. So I want it to be tailored to them. So I went on to that Upwork website where you're supposed to be able to hire programmers and things like that. And I, oh. I, you know, normally I do everything, all the graphic design, the web development, HTML, PHP, it's all me. Everything is, you know, other than Kevin assists me with some of these things, you know, Kevin Wright uh, is my assistant, but he's not a programmer or a designer. So he can do little, you know, like he can do the business cards where all he's got to do is plop in a picture and then I look at it, you know, whatever. So I've managed to get him taking a, a, a lot of things off of my plate. But anyway, I go to Upwork and I'm like, well, here's this programmer that says they can work with the Moment Library. There were other people that looked like they had more experience with it, but he had a 100% success rate and it made 30000 on there. So I thought, oh, he's going to be great. He wanted the most money. It was like 75 an hour, and he was going to bill about 50-something hours. So it was going to Ooh. be, like, you know, 3,000-something when it was all told. And I agreed. And, like, literally days and days and days ago, I'm not sure, and I don't know. Have you tried it? Well, it's complicated. And I realized, like, I finally just fired him. 
I was like, I didn't have to pay nothing because he didn't do anything. And so I went back and in under, I think it was just under 22 hours, I learned, snipped, clipped, or stole enough JavaScript code and implemented it all in under 22 hours with this time zone thing. Nice. However, thank you, Carolyn Tully from Australia, because she went in and realized that even though her class was, I don't know what it was, 2 a.m. or something on, 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 it said 2 a.m. Sunday when it, because I didn't make it so it changes the dates or the day name just once. So when her class is, I don't know, two, let's just say it's 2 a.m. on Monday, it would say 2 a.m. Sunday. And she's like, it's actually putting me the day before. Shouldn't I be on Monday? I'm like, oh, my God. So now I'm buried in fixing this. Oh, no. You know? So when you say, well, when is it? It's like, well, that's all relative, relative isn't it? Um, so, <laughs> you know, well, here it is. Technically, technically speaking, it is March 5th to 7th. You know, our opening ceremonies are at, um, you know, I'm going to open this up here, detect the time zone. Our opening ceremonies are at 7 p.m. Chicago time. And then from 9 a.m. to, I don't know, late at night. Um, oh, Saturday, the last class is at 8.15 p.m., uh, uh, you know, on Central Time, Chicago Time, and then same schedule Sunday, and we've got vendors, and we've got a Zoom virtual meet and greet. But again, when you look at the WitchCon, at WitchCon and what its potential is for broadening the magical audience around the world, well, when it starts depends on where you are. And so once this program is done, you go to witchcon.com and I can say, well, it's March 5th to 7th Chicago time, but it changes based on where you are. In fact, if you live, I believe there's a tiny slice of Greenland. (laughs) (laughs) This is how OCD I am. Because I had Kevin, I said, Kevin, go find out. You know, I I, I send Kevin now to look. I said, go find out. He said, well, there's a... Eastern Greenland, oh no, it's Eastern Greenland and a sliver of Iceland where it's actually a four-day festival. It begins late Friday night and ends Monday morning, early Uh Monday morning. So it now becomes a four-day festival for certain people. (laughs) So when you ask, you know, when is it? Well, isn't that an interesting question? Because it's not a physical festival and it's literally targeted to people all over the world. I mean, granted, if you don't speak English, it's probably not for you. But, you know, at the same time, there are a lot of English-speaking people around the world that would be interested in this and, and want to learn. And the best part about it is you've got 99 classes, 101 presenters, and and obviously you can't watch every class live. So yeah. you're able to, after the after the whole thing is over you can go back and watch all the recordings you know forever or as you know as long as crowdcast is in existence though to be fair i will probably download the videos because that's the kind of bitch i am you know i want to make sure (laughs) way if somebody said well i was supposed to have access to these and they went out of business i'm like well here's a server here's a password rock on with your bad self um so uh you know i think that that I'll have backup plans to that, obviously, and, um, you know, where people can see, and they'll have passwords. And so uh, 
the best part about this event is you, for $95, you can see all, one, all 99 workshops, all 101 presenters. You can't see them all live. Yeah. But I have, I've created, there's, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, um, seven workshops plus a concert with the Dragon Ritual drummer. Uh, and then I think one, two on Sunday, three, four, five, six, seven, eight on Sunday, and then a closing ceremony. So you're going to see like 17 sessions of content live and then go back and watch 100 for $95. Wow. You know, you might ask the question, why isn't everybody doing this? Well, because when you're going to ask 101 presenters, you're going to make sure you're able to pay them whether the thing sells or not. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, and a lot of people aren't going to go, oh, well, this could cost me, you know, because plus I got to have all these admins running all the rooms and I'm paying them 200 bucks a day. So that's 400 a weekend and add it all up. And, you know, I mean, you, you're looking at 20 grand where it's like, well, if I don't sell any tickets, I got to borrow 20 grand from some other corner of my business. Most people can't do that. No, you know, they don't want to they don't want to take a chance. So instead, you get these events. I saw one recently that had five or six presenters. And it was this sort of thing, and because they only had five or six, oh, well, let's do an award show, or let's do this. And from what I hear, you know, I don't know, I wasn't there, but it didn't have a lot of people. And I don't doubt that some of that might be because people are looking at this and going, well, I'm paying $100 for six presenters over there, or I can spend Uh. 95 you know, for 101 presenters over here. And so what we're doing is raising the bar. But we're also helping people because this is the thing. People will see, if I market this and I do it well, then I won't be taking a chance. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that still won't take that chance. But we're already over, uh, what is it, 420 registrants and 101 of those are the presenters. So minus 101, what is it, 420 minus 101, 319 paid participants so far. And it's every day the rate is going up of speed at which people are purchasing them, which I kind of was, you know, that was my worry. It's like, what if this doesn't sell? It's like, you know, yeah, I can borrow 20000 from some area of the business, but, you know, I don't want to have to. What if yeah. this doesn't sell? You know, that was a little concerning to me if it didn't sell. But the worry, the tough thing of testing this for the first time was with Hexfest, that sells out five months in advance because everybody knows they got to get their hotel, they got to get their flight. Oh, you know, yeah. So you, sort of, you sort of know well in advance whether it's a good year or a bad year and or a mediocre year. Whereas WitchCon, I'm wondering if you're going to get several hundred people signing up the day of, which is oh. why I told, you know, I told Kevin, I said, you know, we got to make sure I capped it off at 1,000. Because even though you can have a lot more than a thousand on Crowdcast, I'm a little nervous about overtaxing their tech. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was going to be my question. (laughs) Plus, if I cap it at a thousand, people are more likely to buy early because they don't want to take a chance it'll run out, which is what people are doing, and that's just going to get more insane once time goes on. But it's like I feel like a thousand's a good number. 
And if everything goes according to plan, well, the next year I might up it to 2000 You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's make sure that we're not overtaxing the server and, and, and making it so that people can't experience the experience. Oh. Um, you know, plus you don't, you know, people's internets are different speeds. and Oh, yeah. I don't. I mean, that's not really the issue. The issue is that is Crowdcast. I don't know, you know, a lot of these companies oversell their capabilities, just like that programmer I was going to hire mm -hmm. completely oversold himself. You know, people ask, why do you do all your own this and that? I'm like, because I'm terrified. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't like to farm out graphic design in particular, because even though I'm sort of somewhat above mediocre designer, <laughs> I haven't really seen many great ones. You know, I think that Matt Oren is a really great graphic designer. I think uh, Alan Spears is a really, you know, the photographer there. Mm. He's a graphics designer. Um, but really, there aren't a lot of them. No. And I think that Matt is such a great graphic designer. Had a, You know, it really helped sell, you know, look at Psychic Witch. I mean, kudos to that. I mean, it's the number one selling Llewellyn book for months. And it's like in the top five of witchcraft and, and psychic books overall, you know, because we're retailers, we see it. You know, that's an amazing feat that he pulled off. And and I think a lot of it, since not the book's not good, but a lot of it is his ability to market, you know what I mean, and create strong visuals. Because when you have strong visuals, you know, people will re relate to them. And I have not met, you know, the type of person I'd want to hire would probably cost $100 an hour, mm. you know, to get a good graphic designer. So I settle for my quality, and it's good enough. And, you know, <laughs> if I coaching, I go to somebody. I mean, I'm really happy with the design of the WitchCon site, frankly. I was going to say, I thought it looked nice. It w was working very well on my phone. It looks well, great. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of good graphic designers aren't good coders and while i'm neither really a full-on designer or a programmer when i worked for web companies and ad agencies and i used to work on the volkswagen account for arnold worldwide you know oh, the wow. number two in the world and so what i what i would do is i was a bridge like i could speak programmer and graphic designer and so i would meld those two together so when i created a website it worked the way the programmers wanted it to work and it looked to the pixel, the way the graphic designers wanted it to look. Like, it was so on point. You know, they'd bring me these Photoshop files, and then when they saw what i do, they'd be like, how did you make this look so exact? Just because that's what I do. You know, and so when I, when I take one of these layouts, you know, long after I stopped working in the creative industry, the whole idea of responsive mobile design comes out. Hmm. And everything I've, you know, years ago, you had to worry about what it looked like on a Mac versus the PC, but they kind of standardized, you know, you don't worry yeah. about that. I had to worry about the 256 web-based colors most people had on their screen. And, you know, everything was so low end. And so now the phones have brought us all back there. Only it's worse because you got to, you, you can't just design to one space. you got 20 different phone sizes and so, literally, like, I must have spent 80, 150 hours just testing this and tweaking it to be mobile, responsive, and easy to read, no matter what you're reading it on. Oh, wow. And that, and I've done that with a number of my, you know, slowly I've been going through the sites, like Festival of the Dead and 
uh, you know, the uh, newer ones like on Seance and, and this tour company started out that way, but I had to redo, uh, you know, Festival of the Dead that way and, you know, Psychics are higher. I had to make mobile friendly and, you know, the the, the e-com sites, which are hexwitch.com and omensalem.com, well, those are done through Lightspeed e-com, which is a, a vendor that also does our in-store cash register. Oh. And so... Their layouts are already mobile friendly. I just had to tweak them to, you know, fit what I liked for the look, you know. And, uh, but it's a lot that goes into this. You know, I've had people say to me through the years, you know, I don't know why I'm not successful like you. I can dress like you and wear eyeliner and makeup. <laughs> I can run around. And I'm like, 99% of what makes us us is me and my underwear in the middle of the night. That's what <laughs> makes all this work. And it is the work. You know, when when I see these annual, God, they're almost like, you know, the passion plays they do against the Jewish people, you know, where they have the, you know, they say, oh, here's where the Jews killed Christ. And then, you know, all of a sudden there's a pogrom and everybody's running out there to, you know, attack poor Jewish people. Well, it's sort of like what these people do to me once a year, only thankfully they don't kill me. But, you know, they come out once a year with these, you know, of course, day is evil, you know, and uh, the thing that really bothers me the most isn't that, oh, these people don't like me, because I don't care if they like me, uh, but it's the work. As a Capricorn, hmm. with, an, with an Aries rising, the, oh. you, know, the, you know, the Capricorn, <clears throat> I'm a, I work. I don't necessarily manage money well, I spend it well. You know, but I, I, <laughs> I just make sure I always make enough where it's not a problem. And so, you know, the Capricorn, I want to make money, I want to work hard. The Aries, I want people to see and appreciate the work, the Aries rising. In the Cancer moon, I want to feel good about the work I do. I want to be connected to it. You know, so whenever any of these controversies about my persona overshadow the work, it's devastating to me because, like, I'm like, how can they not know? You know, like, people flipped out that Jason Menke gave us a horny award um, in January for the best festival of the year. Hmm. And they out and how can you give them well he gave it to us because and i never thought of this like i don't sit there and say well we need five black people we need four you know latinos and two asians you know as presenters i don't do that what i do is i seek great content and great content from people that are most likely to be proficient in that content so if I want Haitian voodoo, my first stop's going to be to a per friend of mine from Haiti. Mm-hmm. And to her, I'm going to go to people that, you know, might not be people of color, but, uh, you know, like my friend Hoodoo Sen Moise, who's amazing. Well, he was initiated by said friend of mine from Haiti. You know, so, you know, like I'm going to ask a person like Alexis Arredondo, who is lives on the border of Mexico and is Mexican, to teach on Santissima Muerte. You know, I'm going to ask, uh, you know, uh, Benabel Wen, who is the one to watch, man. Like, this woman is so badass, intelligent, brilliant. Just truly one of the great, brilliant, and she's an amazing artist. Hmm. she's, She's doing a workshop called An Introduction to Tulpa's Esoteric Buddhist Thought Form Magic. Okay. And it's like, well... Okay, do I want to have 
an Asian person teach this and this is her culture, you know, or just... And so by doing that, by seeking different forms of magic, you automatically have a diverse cast of characters. <clears throat> now, here's the thing, though, that I hadn't thought of. You know, when you presented Pantheacon, well, the now defunct Pantheacon, hmm. even if you were a presenter, you had to pay that 75, what is it? I think the regular fee before the early bird, $85. You had to pay the $85 admission fee even if you were a teacher at the event. How ridiculous is that? They don't fly you. They don't hotel you. They don't do nothing. Whoa. Now, there's one or two people they might do that for. One or two people. Hmm. And, and sometimes they don't even do that. They give them $400 was what one author friend of mine said. Oh, well, they give me 400 to cover my expenses. I'm like, yippee-ki-yay. <laughs> you know, so, I know, you know, and I, I don't do speaker fees. We do, like, if you're a traveler, we fly you, we hotel you. You get dinner on the boat Friday night. You get dinner. Uh, you know, we have a private presenter thing at the house. We can't have everybody at the house because it's too small. So we have this private thing at the house. And, you know, you get a dinner there. Uh, you get free vending space. You can use it or lose it, but you can use it. And some people have made a few thousand dollars on vending, depending mm -hmm. on, you know, Rosemary Ellen Guiley would sell. I mean, I don't know what you did, but I know she would do. You know, different people, it depends on what they're selling. Oh, yeah, you know, right. I you love have a lot of high-ticket items, so, you know, conceivably. <laughs> Plus, the other thing is we go around and buy things from the vendors afterwards, you know. We used to guarantee that. We stopped guaranteeing it because the problem was it wasn't always something we could sell. So, you know, now we go around and we're like, oh, if I like it, I'll take it. And so there's all these opportunities to make money without doing a speaking fee. And so, and in this past one, when it was virtual... You know, our locals get $300 fee per class to teach. Some Most do one, but some might do two. And so what we did with the with the travelers this past year was we gave each of them 300 a class. So Jason Mankey got a $900 check, and it's like, wow, I didn't know I was getting a $900. Most of these people didn't know they were getting paid because they didn't get paid before, and my assistant and I forgot to tell them. Oh, no. So they're all doing this thinking, well, we aren't getting flown, we aren't getting thing, but we committed to do this. Next thing they all got, I, I can't tell you how many messages. I didn't know I was getting $900. I've oh. never been paid in my life. And I'm like, yeah, it does make it like, okay, if you're an impoverished person, a $350 ticket event, it's going to be a lot more prohibitive than a an $85 Pantheacon event. But at the same time, they're both prohibitive if you don't live there. Yeah. Because if you go in the Pantheacon, you still got to buy a hotel and a flight and a this and a that. So, you know, mine ends up upping it another, you know. But if you buy early, if you're a returnee, you get one price. If you're an early bird, you get another price, which is still $100 off if you're an early bird. <coughs> Excuse me. So there's opportunities to save money there. And so what happens is, even though not everybody can attend, obviously it's more expensive, but I did it because I wanted to pay the presenters. Yeah. Here's what, it, here's what Jason pointed out that I've never thought of, and that is um, by paying people flights and hotels. And while you don't fly their plus one, the plus one can share their room. Mm -hmm. The plus one, the, two, the same two dinners they get. You know, they get access to all the classes if they're bored and want to go sit in the class, you know, whatever. We we are hospitable because that's a 
part of magic is to be hospitable. And so what we've done is created a scenario, and this is what Jason pointed out, I haven't followed this, where there are people that are of lesser economic means, which, you know, the way racism is so systemic in this country, there are a lot more people of color of lesser economic means. And so by making this the way we structured it, it has opened the doors to more people of color and marginalized people and people of lesser economic means to actually present. Because if they've got books to sell, you know, yeah, I don't give them a speaker fee, but if they're going to take time off from work, well, they can make a bunch of little spell bottles and stuff. I don't care what they do with that table. They can sit there and do readings all weekend. There's some people that, even though we have free readings in the room, there's some people they want to get a reading from their favorite author. So mm-hmm. that person will do readings. You know, Crystal Madison turned quite a buck, uh, you know, the Witch of Sleepy All, doing reading. You know, people will sit there, they'll do readings and, and make money hand over fist. And so if they had to take the time off from work, well, they got their flight covered, they made the money back. And so it becomes more egalitarian for presenters, maybe not for participants, because obviously it's a pricier ticket. But I insist on giving back to these presenters. It's why we did it. Brian and I said when we created this festival, which, by the way, is profitable, but still only represents 3.5% of our corporate annual revenue. This is not Jeez. where we make, we make our money for middle-aged women with credit cards that want like <laughs> That is what we make our money from. Everything and They're not witches. They want wisdom. They might buy a spell kit. They might buy a, 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 a gree gree bag or whatever. But, you know, they believe in magic and they want to work with it to some degree, but only at their own pace. And they're not into any of these pagan community or magical community dramas. They don't know any of the players. Our audience is very much like Lori Cabot. They're our own. And they're muggles. They're regular, everyday people that are looking for guidance. And that's, mo- frankly, I believe that's the mass audience of almost every witch shop on earth if they knew how to tap into it. Like it's what they're mar- what I would call the market segment. They may not tap into it, but that's where you can make most of it. You know, so then we said, what are we willing to lose to do this hex fest? And Brian and I said 20 grand. And what are we lo- willing to lose forever to do this as long as we want to do it? 20 grand. So in other words, if we had to borrow $20,000 out of something else to make this festival happen, we were going to do that. Kristen, I have to pause you real quick. Give me one second. Oh, well, this isn't live anyway, so... Yeah, it doesn't uh, matter. Like, now it doesn't live, but it just won't record, which is a pain. Well, either way, I mean, it's sort of like, um... Oh, what's I going to say? Um, you know, we're willing to lose... $20,000 a year to do Hexus. Now, you know, it's profitable now, but it's not, I mean, I've got sculptures worth more money. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just saying, you know, it's we wanted to create the template for what others do. In fact, I didn't even study any of the other. I took a brief look at Pantheacon. I was like, what the hell is this? Pagan composting? I don't want this. No one wants this. <laughs> like this belongs. No, these toppling the capitalist patriarchy. It's like, and and communist paganism. I'm like nobody wants this. I'm not saying people aren't socialists or communists or whatever they are. Yeah, that's not what. Like, go be at a communist convention. Go to a composting convention. This is magic here. 
Like, I don't want to alienate people. I don't allow those, you know, thank God the hotel doesn't have hospitality suites because I've told people, don't even think about it. I am not going to have a vagina only, a trans only, a black only, a gay only, a this only, a that only. Nobody comes through the door unless you have this. Or, you know, don't come in if you're not in a wheelchair. Like, I'm not going to do it. I won't allow it. Because the thing that people say the most about Hexfest, and I didn't plan it this way, this was what I have heard from the first year, was how many friendships they made yes. in the space of weekend. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Would you say that's your experience? Oh, definitely. I mean, especially, I mean, with me, I... I'm like, I, I really got to know a lot of the presenters. I absolutely, like, adore... Christine and San Elias and uh, Sandra. Sandra's my girl. Do you think that you would have made those friendships if everyone was looking at you like you weren't in their category? No, I definitely don't feel like <laughs> there is that. Because like, even really with the vendors, is, the vendors really all became peak. buddies. Yeah. Well, that really is pecan. I mean, the first word I heard of it was when the Budapest had a ritual that didn't allow trans women in. And, you know, look, if she wants to go rent a campground and look at nothing but pussy, I'm not going to begrudge <laughs> her. Uh, you know, I don't want to go. But, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm happy being excluded. However, if somebody bought their, you know, it wasn't about transphobia or any of this. It was about business. If I'm a trans woman and I paid $85 to get in this event, I should be able to go to every fucking thing there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, I mean, yes, I think what Z did was transphobic, but it was bigger than that to me because as an event host, the buck stops here. You know, and everybody, when they did what they did to Utu with Panthea Khan and saying he was a cultural appropriator while having seven other female presenters doing everything from Japanese hair braiding to hoodoo to yoga to Haitian voodoo, you know, and, 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 you know, they apparently were okay. You know, they picked and choose who they were going to apply these principles to. But... I saw this and I'm thinking, this is not how it should be. This doesn't feel like bringing people together. You know, and I get there's people of color that don't want to be about what, you know, they don't want the, what I heard at Panthea Con is, we don't like the white gays. Well, if I were a black person and I didn't like the white gays, I wouldn't go to a convention that had white people at it. And I'd be okay with that. You know, I wouldn't be offended if you, if some, Black friend of mine said, I'm doing a black witches festival and there's no white people. I'd be like, cool, I don't know, whatever. You know, I'm not offended by that. You know, I'm just not. So, you know, I might be a little offended by the Asa true because, you know, white people are the dominant, you know, and that's wrong, but they are the people in power largely. And there, we do live in a state of white supremacy. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to look askew at, you know, whitey saying no blacks allowed, but, you know, if a black group wants to do a blacks only have it if somebody wants pussy only have it but i don't think it belongs at an event where people are paying the good money to attend they should be able to see it all yeah and 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 more importantly magic is not a safe space like you should not be coming to a thing like Hexfest, where we've had classes and working with goetic demons and going, I can't see the white gays, and oh my god, I need to be around only trans, and oh, I can't have any non-gay people, and I say that as a gay person. 
You know, like, I hate that. Hmm. I only like the gay community when I can turn it off. I don't want to be in a gay ghetto. I don't want to be in a witch ghetto. I moved out of one. I don't want to be, you know, where everyone is the same. It's boring to me. I used to host karaoke in VFWs and biker bars and sing faggy show tunes like you wouldn't believe, and nobody bothered me. That sounds amazing. They loved it because I knew how to win them over with humor by disarming them with humor. You know, I, I, I didn't deal with very much prejudice and bigotry through my life. Frankly, the first big occurrence of it was when uh, the Catholics tried to shut us down at the Bourbon Orleans and the steamboat Natchez wouldn't yep. rent to, you know, when the steamboat Natchez wouldn't rent, to, well, actually canceled us two weeks before the event because we were witches. Mind you, the, the, the function lady knew we were, but the owner found out, threw us out. You know, doesn't have gay weddings. They're bigoted. That was the first real experience with that I've ever had. But that wasn't, oh. they didn't know me. You know, they weren't interacting with me. Like, I am convinced that if I had a conversation with Gordon Stevens that owns the Natchez, I would have won him over. Frankly, uh, you know, uh, you know, Sally Ann Glass from the Voodoo Priest, her husband is a, a major uh, real estate developer and said, well, I can get you a sit down with him. He won't say no to me. And I'm like, eh, yeah, maybe if I need to. But, you know, I could have had a sit down with this guy and I probably would have won him over because, you know, I feel like you can reach people if you give them a chance even the bigots you can reach them i i refuse to believe that the power of that there isn't power in a conversation i refuse to believe that there isn't power in a conversation and, you know whether it's this conversation you know whatever conversation yeah. you know can i sit there and talk to a homophobe and win them over you know do i have my limits yeah the trumpies the q people and even then, I sometimes question my own logic in that. I say, well, should I really have deleted all these people? Well, yes to my brother, because once you attack my husband and well. say, well, when you say General Lee was a hero, well, maybe we need a break here. But, you know, I, I am trying to be a little more <clears throat> reaching across the aisle, you know, because I do think it matters. I love that mm-hmm. Jason Mankey worked so long with Pathios. You know, a lot of pagans criticized him for managing Pathios' pagan channel because it's owned by these born-again Christians. And they're like, oh, they hate us, they're this, they're that. It's like, anybody can go to a Unitarian church and find some socialist Christian and feel like they're doing interfaith. You're not. You know, interfaith is what Jason Mankey is doing by sitting at the top of a pagan channel where he has to interact with right-wing Christians and explain to them what magical people actually are. That's true interfaith. That's reaching across a real aisle, not finding somebody who might have a different God but all the same political and social beliefs that you do. That's, that's like mini interfaith. You know, that, that's, that's easy interfaith. That's not... You know, what I'm doing going on a show with Pastor Phil, who's like, you know, right-wing Pentecostal minister, and we're going to make fun of QAnon. Like, that's crossing lines. That's, you know, having a different conversation. And I think we need to start to do that. You know, I had a friend tell me on the phone, he's like, well, there's this one guy who just got out of jail, and he's violent, and he needs to be kept out of the pagan community forever. And I'm like, well, I'm like, well, how do we keep somebody out forever? And is that even right? 
and you know, I'm not saying it's time for them to come back in now. It's probably too soon. But the question: How do we keep them out forever? And if you do that, do they just dry up and blow away, or do they become something worse and you know join the KKK? Or you know, oh well, no one. The left is so pure; no one will have me. I'm going to go be a right winger. There are people like that. You know what I mean? And where you know you think that you've othered them and ostracized them from all the acceptable social circles, what you've done is created an enemy that may come to bite you on the ass. And so that I think of those things in terms of our magical communities, Angela, because I feel like not just because I want people to think I'm redeemable. I don't care if these people think I'm redeemable. I make hmm. more in a week than they'll make in a year. So I don't care. You know what I mean? If they think I'm redeemable, I think I'm redeemable. I think I fuck up sometimes. I clean up my act. I try to fix it. I move on, keep creating new things. And, you know, people will either like it or they won't. I, I, they don't have to for me because I'm uncancelable. But some of these people do depend very much on the pagan audiences. You know, and I worry for those people mm -hmm. that they're getting bullied. I don't like seeing people getting bullied like that. So I decided I'm going to bully the bullies. Like, if they want to do that, I'm going to go on my radio show or my podcast, and I'm going to be full on Howard Stern meets Joan Rivers meets Joy Behar. <laughs> and I'm going to have something to say. And then they can bitch about that. You know, oh, I don't like what you said on your show. Tough shit. Like, you know what I mean? If you're going to go around there and hurt the innocent, I'm going to call it out. I, you know, I'm not Santa Claus. I can't be at every mall. So I obviously can't save the world. <laughs> but when I see one of these situations growing to the point where they're trying to utterly destroy a person's self-esteem and worse in the world and not allow that person to grow into something else, I might have something to say, especially if they do it in a way that sets their authority above the rest of us. Like we are a nascent religion or constellation of religions, really, and many of them are very unrelated in the pagan community. You know, take any two of them, and they'll be really different. That somehow people within that community have decided that some of them have greater voices than others and get to decide for the rest of us, you know, who's judge, jury, and executioner, an executioner. You know what I mean? Like, who... I, you know, not for nothing. I mean, how many TV shows and newspapers have I been on? You don't see me out there going, oh, I'm going to decide who's guilty and innocent. It's ridiculous. Hmm. You know what I mean? If anything, if anything, I'm going to speak up for the underdog and say, you know, is there another way you can do this? You know, I, especially when they're going after my presenters. I mean, some of my presenters have been egregiously harassed. Really? Oh, yeah, I've had people not eat for four days. I've had people cry on the phone to me. I've had, you know, and it really sets me off. Whoa. You know, when, I hear, when I hear these things, it sends me into mama bear mode, and I'm like, oh, I'm bringing out the fucking claws now. We're gonna, you know, I mean, we're going to show them how it is. So I don't like that. Do not pick on people that don't necessarily, you know, it's not that they're weak people. They just, who can be prepared for some of this viciousness? You know, wow. Some of these people have been doing their work and doing their magic and doing writing wonderful books. And next thing they turn around, you know, someone's trying to light them on fire. And, you know, hey, I'm an old hand at this. Hmm. I'm fucking Teflon. I, you know, I've got hazmat suits and, you know, asbestos suits. And I, I got a suit for everything. <laughs> I, 
I got Kevlar, you know what I mean? They're not going to ever, they don't phase me, you know, but they phase me when they hurt the other people, which is why they do it. Yeah. It's why they do it. They do it. You know, I've had people put my elderly aunt's address on the internet. <gasps> I had one person trying to get me, one person, um, uh, what was it? Because Star Ravenhawk, Starian Ravenhawk, who hosts Witches Fest. Okay. Because she wouldn't uninvite me and Crystal Madison, this guy put her home address of her apartment in Manhattan on his hate website. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Still there, by the way. Huh. And uh, and he was a minister in Lori Bruno's church, you know, who, you know, everybody knows. She, I made international news because she said I called her, you know, nasty words in the middle of the night anonymously. First of all. I'm just going to say in the words of the director of the Salem Chamber of Commerce, who is from the Netherlands, who came up to me when this became international news, and he said, youth call is you, you know, because if I'm going to call you in the middle of the night, I want the credit. You know, I'm not yeah. going to call a name and not actually say, hey, it's Christian, and then let the fur fly. And so, you know, this person that was in her ministry and had done so many horrible things to me, Lori Cabot, Penny Cabot, you know, all sorts of people. He's done horrible things to while he was her minister. Hmm. So she did, she did accept his ministerial resignation over this. Kudos to her for that. So what he did was he put Starry and Ravenhawk's home address in Manhattan on this website. Hmm. And she still didn't uninvite, uninvite us, me and Crystal. So the next thing you know, this guy, I don't know if it was him, because we deduced that he was staying in New Jersey at the time, so it could have been him, it could have been one of his minions, because he runs like his own little satanic church or whatever it is, you know, okay. one of these theistic Satanists that really believe in the devil versus the church of Satan that doesn't believe in a literal devil, you know, this guy believes in a literal, you know, Satan, and so, you know, it could have been one of his little minions, but either way, the next thing you know... He puts up a picture of Starry and Ravenhawk. Now, at oh. the time, this was three three years ago. Okay. She was, a, she was 58 years old at the time. She's a black woman, and she's in a walker. And so she has to sit in the walker to wait for the bus, meaning she couldn't run from you if you were, you know, doing oh. something. So he put this picture on his website of Starry and Ravenhawk waiting for the bus to go home, sending the message that what had essentially happened was either he or one of his minions went to her apartment, got on the bus with her, <gasps> followed followed her throughout her day. Oh, my God. Waited for her to run her errands, and then took a picture of her waiting for the bus, a picture they could only have taken. She was waiting for the bus home, Angela. Oh my Meaning God. the message being sent here. The message being sent here was that he had stayed, he, whoever did this went to her apartment, followed her throughout the day, took a picture of her in her walker, sitting in a walker, a disabled 50-year-old, 58-year-old black woman. I hope you're hearing this Amarillo Moon every time you're trumpeting Lori Bruno in her phone call story. Um, because one of her ministers did this point blank he was her minister i have proof he was her minister and it was registered with the state of massachusetts from what i understand hmm. all ministers are so literally took a picture of her so that the message was being sent i was with you the whole day oh my god 
I was so angry, you have no idea. I called mutual friends that ended up calling her and screaming at her. I was like, I, I was like, this is where this stops. You are not going to stalk a 50-year-old disabled black woman through the streets of New York. Your minister isn't going to do it. Your minister's minions aren't going to do it. It's not going to happen. Not on my watch. Now, to Star's credit, she still didn't uninvite us. Because she's fucking badass. Wow. But this is what people will do in order to hurt people that support me or whoever. You know, they'll go to these crazy lengths. Now, no one else has gone to that length, thank God. And three out of the five people that publicly supported this particular stalker of ours have died violently. Jesus. And Oh, yeah. He had a car accident and is permanently disabled. And if you go to his wall now, he never posts about us. Literally every day in and day out, he posts pro-Trump things. And then he posts all these links. And it's the same links every day. It's like Groundhog Day. He'll post these huh. links to these plans to build geodesic homes he will never be able to afford. So he's living in this sick Groundhog Day. Three of the five people, and mind you, I didn't go cursing these people. Like, I didn't do anything. Hmm. God might have done something. Or, you know, here's the other thing. When you piss off enough witches and you ain't one, you might want to look this way and that way. Yeah. You know, this guy set about to hurt all these innocent people and create collateral damage. So, uh, no, three of the five people that stood publicly with him, all dead in in the last three years. And so, oh, yeah. So, and that's magic. That's not my magic. That's the magic of the world. You want to talk about consequence culture, don't fuck with real witches, especially not all of them at once. You know, you're talking about, you know, Star Ravenhawk is very much loved. Oh, yeah. You know, who knows who has her back? Who knows what spirits up, you know, never mind the living. There's those people on the other side that watch over (laughs) them. Don't fuck around. You know, so, hey, I just sit back and watch. But I'll tell you, I don't like when people, you know, if they can't get at you, they got to go for the collateral damage. You know, don't do that. And I don't do that. I'm still friends with Lori Bruno's son. Hmm. I, I'd probably be a lot, you know, meaner about my situation with her over the years if it weren't for the fact that I love her son. You know, I try to go a little easy, even though she, you know, dragged my name through the international news. But, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, overly ridiculous because Anthony's my friend. Okay. You know, it's a spotty, spotty friendship, you know, because, you know, obviously it creates complications, but he is my friend. And it's, you know, he never stopped being my friend, which ought to prove those phone calls were never made or by me hmm. because he would have put me through a wall. If he thought I was calling yeah. his mother in the middle of the night, the guy's basically a walk-in refrigerator. If I'd have actually done that, and he <laughs> thought so, that would have not ended well for me. But, you know, and rightfully so. He's, you know, he's an Italian kid. You know, I'm half Italian. I know what it's like. you got to <laughs> protect your mother. I respect that. But, he, you know, what I don't like is the collateral damage. I don't like it. You know, I don't like seeing my presenters harass. And i got to give it to the presenters. No one's pulled out over there. And I wow. think it's because we have, well, no one ever pulled out a hex vest either. But I think the, 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 the fact that we've got so many presenters has created this feeling of solidarity 
you know, that they feel like other people have their back. Yeah. You know, who, who is Shauna or Knight or Amarella Moon or any of these people to say, you know, and Amarella's over there saying, I don't make people choose. What are you talking about? They run around attacking everybody that works with me. That's the very essence of making people choose. I have a bazillion people that are friends with Lori Bruno or this one or that one or that one I don't like. I mean, you all have friends I don't like. Who cares? When you draw that many lines in the sand, you end up on a lonely beach. So why am I going to sit there and tell people who's who? You know, oh, you, oh Angela, I'm not going to talk to you because you're so-and-so with those and this and this and that. Mm-hmm. High school? It's very high school. I mean, I suppose, okay, if, you know, someone raped you or something and you said, oh, you, you know, you have to be, well, okay. And you showed me the, oh, yeah, here's the situation. And I'm like, well, okay, now, you know, I don't want this person around. You know, I did uninvite somebody to WitchCon this year that, that there's been a lot of that swirling about. And it was one of the most difficult decisions I've ever made in my life because there wasn't a lot of physical evidence, but there was some recordings of admissions of beating women that I didn't particularly care mm. for. And I was like, okay, I don't have proof you raped them, but if you're beating them, well, you know, we, we need to walk away from one another because this isn't my scene. You know, people might think I advocate every horrible thing. They don't know me. They don't have a conversation. They don't, you know, I am my conscience. You know, I answer to myself and to the gods. And maybe to my high priest and my husband and my family and friends. And, of course, our dogs. I answer to that. <laughs> you know, dogs spelled backwards. You know, God, dog. I got to answer to those little poodles or, you know, I'm going to hell. But the point is. You know, I'm not accountable. Who are these people? You know, there's a, what is his accountability to the pagan community? I remember years ago, this one sort of pagan gadfly that would use the word national in every other sentence, the National Pagan Leadership Organizations of Pagan National, you know, consortiums of collaboratives of the pagan e-lists of paganism and national that I'm part of. You know, she was one of those. And I remember years ago her saying, the pagan community has an issue with Lori Cabot because she doesn't feel she's accountable to them. And I'm like, she's not accountable to them. It's Lori freaking Cabot. (laughs) I was just going to say she's Lori fucking Cabot. I hope I didn't swear. Oh, no, you can fucking swear. It's okay. 87 years old, and she'll sell a witchcraft one and two class, have 50 people in each class at $500 a whack. You can all do the math. She's one witch. She's done. She, you know, we will never be that. No. You know, it's like what Barry Gibbs said about Streisand. There's every other artist in the world, and there's Barbara Streisand. There's every witch in the world, and there's Lori fucking Cabot. Yeah. Like, she is, like, even when she and I didn't speak, there was a period, you know, many years ago, we've been very close for the last 10 years that I've known her for 31. We had a little feud, you know, and people would be like, well, you must this and that about Lori Cabot, oh, blah, blah. And I'm like, let me tell you something. Without Lori Cabot, there'd be no Christian Day. Without Lori Cabot, there would be nothing in that Salem Somebody might have done it eventually. They never would have done it as well. No. They still don't do it. None of us. I mean, I try, you know, I try to live up to the fact, you know, because she is my first teacher. We are very close. Mm -hmm. And so I want, you know, I think if there's any area I don't live up to her is I'm sort of a Howard Stern and she's kind of the Martha Stewart. So it's (laughs) like, you know, we're, we're not, uh, you know, she's very goody goody and I'm not, but we do love one another. And, 
you know, I, I always hope to live up to even a fraction of that legacy or the legacy of people like Maxine Sanders, mm-hmm. you know, those icons that created and, you know, that paved the way that they created the way, you know, they made the way. And, you know, I don't take that away from people. You know what I'm saying? I, I give up, you know, even when Lori and I didn't speak, I was like, I give it up to her. She created all this. She is the magic. And, and there you go. It's like you're, you're talking about um, icons, you know, and, and obviously hoping we can live up to those people. But she is not accountable to the pa- I'm not. I'm not even a pagan. She doesn't use that word either. Hmm. We're not pagans. Maxine says I'm not a pagan. She's not a pagan. Like we don't use that word. So, you know, we're witches. We use witchcraft. Mm-hmm. I use warlock, but I'm not a pagan. I don't call, you know, there will be people that say, you are a pagan because you're this and this and this. I'm like, if I were a trans woman, would you tell me I was a man? Who are you to tell me I'm a pagan when that's not how I choose to identify? I see how that, like, double standard gets around. Mm-hmm. So you had a trans man insist that I was a pagan. I'm like, well, that's real cheeky. Like, you know, I'm supposed to respect your identity, but you don't respect mine. You know, no, I'm not a pagan and I'm not accountable to the pagan community. I am accountable, obviously, to my customers in that regard. You know, if they come in and they want a reading, I want to make sure that I put a truly talented psychic in that chair to give them one. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that the products that we sell are truly magical and well-crafted and put together and and bring them the magic that they want and that the authors whose books we carry, you know, give pass on some wisdom to these people and that they learn something from it, you know? And so, um, I just feel this, this need for these people, most of whom are just the most near duel sort of nobodies yet they've, decided to set themselves up as the people to whom we are all accountable. Well, I got news. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, how are you going to make me accountable? What are you going to do? Oh, you're going to boycott Hexfest. Woo! Like, whatever. That's worked well so far. It sells out five months in advance. I swear we sell tickets because of these people. I I could see that. I remember that first year when I was down there and we had the protesters out front, the ones that were sliding letters oh. under the doors. Yeah, that was, not going to lie, it was creepy oh, no, no, as no. crap. I think, yeah, in the following year, there was a petition with 11,000 Catholic signatures. Yep, I remember no, that. There's no way that didn't sell tickets. No. In fact, I think many people in the magical communities which is what I usually, I prefer magical community to pagan community because to me, pagan community includes both the magical people and like this new crowd of atheo pagans that think magic is delusion and the old gods are fantasy. Well, I don't have any sort of connection to them. What are they? They're not me. Hmm. Or, non, or non-magical pagans. I prefer magical community because that will include magical pagans, magical witches, magical Christians, magical African traditional practitioners, you know, like that magical community brings all these different points of light together. But the thing that we all have in common is the knowledge and the belief and the execution of magic. And and that, so that's my communities. And I don't use the word, you know, I sometimes say community, but it, it mainly mean magical communities because it's, mm-hmm. it's a constellation of people are bringing magic back to the world and that is my life's goal 
So that is what I identify with. That is what my work, it is what I was born to do, was to give magic to people. Brian's role is more the religious priest. He is in the, his goal is to train the priesthood of the craft. That is his number one goal. And to see the craft thrive and be powerful. Mine is to, you know, mine's a little more banal. And I'm giving magic to the world. Here, have a tchotchke, have a reading. (laughs) You have power. You can change your life. You don't have to accept your lot in life because you've got magic at your back. And so magic, you know, Brian actually coined the term at one of the hex prestes. He says, I don't see a pagan community or a witch community. I see a magical community. And that Mm -hmm. is you know, where we come together as all those points of light. And so, no, I think all those Catholic protests, I absolutely think that created a sense of solidarity. Oh, it did. It's like, now now I'm more likely to go. Because we, literally, that was our tipping point year. That was the year we became profitable. Oh. Huh. Well, not that, well, no, was it that? No, it was that year... Well, the first year we sold out early, but we capped it off at a certain number. We didn't allow that many, so we couldn't make that much. Oh. Um, so as we grew, um, I, 2018 did well, but 2019 was the tipping point year because of all the Catholics. Mm. Like once I put the tickets for sale in the following month, because the Catholic stuff had just happened, people were screaming for tickets. Mm. It went gangbuster. So 2019 really became the banner year. 2020, of course, didn't happen. Yeah. Other online, which sucks, because I think we would have kept on the same trajectory. Oh, yeah, uh, I can we see that. You know, we actually were. We also sold out five months in advance for 2020. But we had to move them all online, and we were able to sell more online tickets because there wasn't the same limit that you have with the boat and everything. Mm. But, I mean... It's, um, it really is, you know, interesting to me how people's angst and, and discomfort becomes a marketing tool all of its own. And God knows how I know how to work that. You know, I'll go on <laughs> and go, come to the festival where all oh, the bad kids are. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll, I got no shame in my game. You know, I'll work it. You know, and and it drives them nuts. I mean, what my friend did say, you know, like the one that sort of, you know, the not so friend. He's like, well, you've all got that fuck you attitude. I said, damn right, because I'm not accountable to these people. Who are these people to decide who can present at my event and what I can say and not say? You know, if you want to just stamp your feet till the end of time. I mean, God, here's the thing. Once in a great while, I will boycott something. But could you imagine if you actually had to boycott every single company that did something you didn't like? You'd have nothing. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to go anywhere. All the major places we shop, no one likes to admit this, but all those, until that, until that insurrection at Capitol Hill, major companies like Amazon and everybody else, they donated equally to Republicans and Democrats alike. Oh, yeah. So what are you going to do? Boycott everybody? Like, how's that working for you? You know what I mean? I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I don't like J.K. Rowling, despite the fact that they called me a J.K. Rowling defender, you know, because insidious is a word you use to describe somebody you're defending. But I'm still going to go to the Harry Potter park if Brian ever lets me go again. (laughs) You know, because he hates theme parks. And, you know, I'm still going to have to drink the butter beer. 
you know, Alice Walker thinks Jewish people are alien lizards. She pushes the whole David left-wing crazy conspiracy theory of anti-Semitic crap. I'm still going to watch The Color Purple. I don't really like the book, but I will watch the movie. Hmm. I just recently re-listened to all of Mists of Avalon. I never thought about Moira Graylin and her story once. You know, I, I'm sure there's issues with MZB. You know, whatever. I, I, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm going to pick my battle. Yeah. You know, if somebody... I won't buy another my pillow, but I do have two of them, and I use them as body pillows. <laughs> and I use them as body pillows, and if they ever die on me, well, that's the end of them, because I'll never put another... I got them as Christmas presents. And, um, you know, and I love them. But every time I see that Michael and Dell on the, you know, something Michael, I almost want to throw the pillows away. But they were from my cousin as a Christmas present, and you know, I didn't pay for them. And what's throwing them away? They're gonna, you know? so I mean, God knows that memory foam probably will last longer than plastic. So yeah. you know, I'll keep them, but I would never buy one because he's insane. But you know, I can't. <laughs> We all got to pick our little peccadillos. You know what I mean? Like, what? You know, I'm not going to not go to Harry Potter Park because she might make a buck on my ticket. No. She's got a billion. She's got a billion fucking dollars. What's my dollar going to be? And frankly, I'm not defending her, but I do think the way they sometimes approach her is stupid because she's got a, a billion dollars, so she doesn't have to answer to these people, and so it would be smarter of them instead of saying, you know, suck my girl dick. I'm going to rape you, you know, or something like that. You know, how about, you know, I've really been oppressed as a trans woman and, you know, my trans sisters are being murdered. Can I sit down and have a cup of coffee with you, J.K. Rowling? It's a, just a, what a novel idea. What hmm. a novel idea. I, I mean, I get it. Everybody wants to be angry and, and draw the line, but it ain't working. This country is more polarized than it's ever been. We just had an insurrection at Capitol Hill. And while I supported the Black Lives Matter riots to the point where I told my neighbor, who was a bigot, that wanted to board up our windows, I said, I'm not sending that message to the people of color in our community. I'm not doing it. If they want to break my window, I'm insured. That was my attitude. Hmm. But at the same time, can it go on forever? Is, is the language of rioting and breaking and, and capital insurrections and all. I mean, where does it all end? You know, at some point, we got to learn to have a conversation. I, I'm obviously a lot more sympathetic with the Black Lives Matter riots because they don't have the strategic or the systemic power to fight back. And it's why I understand the anger of trans people. I'm just saying, what are you going to do to this bitch with a billion dollars? Mm-hmm. I don't like her. I think she, I called her insidious. And they said, oh, he's defending J.K. Rowling. They totally misread what I said. Hmm. Like I said, I agreed with her in the sense that I, biologically we are dimorphic. You know, I know they love to say sexuality isn't binary. The it kind of is. But gender isn't. And even in sexuality, we have intersex, but it's not it's still kind of that middle ground. You know what I mean? You, you still, a dick goes in a vagina and a baby comes out. You know what I'm saying? There is some sort of thing going on there. But at the same time, I was actually saying that to criticize her and saying she's taken her views on sexual dimorphism and infused it into discussions of gender. I said, as an author, I caught the writing of this. Very few people have called her out. 
I found it very insidious and disingenuous. That's not a defense of her. I think she's being an asshole. But at the same time, it's like, she's got a billion dollars. Yeah. She's going to have a billion dollars to the day she dies. She's probably going to have more than a billion dollars. So when you antagonize somebody like that, they can sit there and poke back at you, and it costs them nothing. Kind of like me. You know, like when they <laughs> poke well, it costs me nothing. I can poke back at them, and there's absolutely nothing they can do about it. So they're wasting their time. So just like J.K. Rowling, why don't you go try to have a conversation with the skank? Maybe you'll change your mind. Maybe you won't. Certainly better than just sticking at her. I mean, I, I get, I'm not saying people don't have a right to be angry or criticize. I'm just saying, where does it end? What's the end game? What's the end game with me? Do they? I haven't blown away in seven years. God, they've been gunning for me ever since 2001. When, you know, I talked about Charlie Sheen all over the world. You know, they've been gunning for me since, in Salem, they've been gunning for me since 2002. Oh, so 2011. Jesus. 2002. And so they've been, gun some people have been gunning me for me for 20 years. I'm still here. I'm not going away. When I cannot defeat an enemy, I do one of two things. I take them out of my mind as best as I possibly can until they force themselves back onto my radar and I have to deal with them. But by and large, it's the Lori Cabot method. She's much better at it than me hmm. because she she never responds to her enemies. She never, never. I've known her 31 years. You can't get her to mount a response. You could stand and scream in front of her front window and she would just somehow tune you out. Like I've never seen anybody better at it. Wow. And I'm, I'm not good at it, but that's like, okay, that's one goal. You know, ignore them until you have no choice or at least I feel like I need to address it. The other is what Ben Franklin, not Ben Franklin, Abraham Lincoln said, the best way to destroy an enemy is to make them a friend. And that is my policy. It's why I'm so forgiving. People make fun of me. I've had people, Christopher Penzak made fun of my uncanny capacity for forgiveness. I had one friend, Eric Frey, say to me once, you know, because he, he and I had had a feud and he had done some things and made some things up and you know and, and when I forgave him and he was crying and couldn't understand why I forgave him he go you know is there no unforgivable sin with you and I said I'll let you know when I find one hmm. well the guy that raped my mother obviously you know if he hadn't have died of liver cancer I you know I might have taken a hit and yeah. I might have made I might have had a go but you know other than him you know, is there no unforgivable sin? Well, it's a challenge to me because I really believe in redemption. Maybe not immediately. And forgiveness isn't the same as trust. You can forgive somebody but not trust them again. You can forgive somebody from across town. Like, I don't hate Lori Bruno. I'm angry with her at times. But there's a part of me that will always love her. I will always love Lily Lee. I will always love Jody Cabot. And I can't have any of those three people in my life. And that probably is a never because every time I've let them back, more destruction happened. Hmm. Well, I have to make a decision. That doesn't mean I hate these people. The people that I'm most likely to throw away aren't the ones I hate. You know, the ones I hate, they're the ones that have hurt me because I love them. Hmm. And there's only three of those people in the world. So, you know... I must maintain this belief in redemption. I cannot let that go. And if it's a problem for people that I forgive myself, that I forgive other people, that I try to move on and find a greater picture and purpose, a bigger picture and a greater purpose, 
Well, that is my choice to decide what my life journey, what my spiritual journey, what my work journey is. That's my choice to decide. That's not anybody else's choice to decide what my great work is. You know, that's not my, what my will, as Crowley would say. Mm-hmm. You, know, do, you know, do what thou will. You know, find your highest will. That is not anybody's role to decide for anyone. And so if I choose forgiveness, both of myself and of others, and even if I continue to fuck up in certain areas, I try to fix it, I try to do what I need to do, you know, to not lose my temper because I have a shrink in pills and, you know, I'm accountable to my pills and my shrink, you know, whatever. That's my journey. You know, and I would hope to encourage other people listening that their journey is theirs. And to not let these other people own their journey. Because they'll all try if you let them. They'll try even if you don't let them. But you must at some point decide, why am I here? What am I supposed to do? Do I feel in my soul of souls that this is my purpose? Do you know how much money I could make? If I joined the Christian lecture circuit and said I used to be a witch, now I found Jesus, (laughs) I'd be richer than anything. With all the TV I've done, those people would pay me God knows what, you know, to write a book on I used to be. If that's all I was about was money, that's what I would do. I couldn't imagine doing that because it would run counter to what is true of me. Yeah. And what, what what is who I am and what I feel I am here to do. So I keep doing it. And they, well, how can he keep going? Because that's what I'm supposed to do. And well, how can you deal with the drama? Well, I'm paid well. <laughs> I work paid well. I might do what I do in secret and then hide away from the world. But I'm paid well. So, you know, if, if, if I have to deal with a little drama once in a while to, to get my paycheck, you know, and the way I look at it, Alex Sanders used to say, when people are taking shots at me, and I can take it, they're not hurting the other people that might not be able to take it. I'm paraphrasing, that's not how he said it, but (laughs) it was the general gist. Yeah. You know, when they're firing their missiles at me, they're not firing their missiles at people that might actually buckle under them. So I'm keeping these people distracted from attacking people that are not as strong, because they ain't never taking me out. Like they'll be waiting on, you know, maybe if I got COVID, knock on wood, I won't. You know, Don't whatever. say that. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, death might take me. It takes us all. No well, getting around that. Well, yes. Anku comes for, you know, Anku's rickety cart shows up at everybody's front door. But that's it. You know, and I'm sure they all take credit and I won't be here to know or I'll be haunting their asses. But <laughs> all I'm saying is, you know, you all listening to this have a journey. You decide what it is. Your, I don't want to say fate because I believe we make our fate. But your, <coughs> your best destiny, what you take charge of and realize, I feel most at home when I'm doing this. You know, how Joan Rivers used to say, I don't have a choice. I have to do comedy. You hmm. know, I have to do comedy. You know, they asked if Melissa wanted to be a comedian. Well, it's not like that. It's like being a nun. You know, you, you don't have a choice. This is what I meant to do this. So if all these other people scream and say, I'm not meant to do this, those voices are never going to be louder than the inner voice that says I am meant to do this. So they, you know, you, 
you you get to decide how loud these other voices are in your head because they're not loud in mine. You know, unless they push too far, or, you know, obviously when I'm getting dragged in the international news and accused of making phone calls and they say I got to show up in court, well, I got to show up in court. There's no getting around that. But, hmm. uh, you know, unless it's forced upon me, keep doing the work. Don't let these people dissuade you from the work because that's why you're there. Have you ever heard the old saying, like, some people, when they retire, they die sooner? Yeah. You know, or they've lost their purpose. Yeah. If I even, you know, if we quote-unquote retire, I don't think I'll ever convince Brian to go to either the U.S. Virgin Islands, St. John, I love St. John, or North Wales, I don't know that he could live in the country with me. It might be a little bit Grey Gardens, you know. Oh. Eddie, Eddie. You know, like if I... <laughs> Like, soft shoe, Edie. Yeah, no, I, I you know, tea for two. I, I don't know. <laughs> here, you know, but the point is that, you know, even if I ever retire, I'm not going to retire. I'm still going to keep the business. I'm going to be calling and micromanaging and getting up the phone and looking around and screen sharing and, you know, FaceTiming and everything else. Because what else am I going to do? Sit there and grow flowers all day? <laughs> I, I could see having a hobby. You could stack cans. Yeah, I'm trying to learn the piano. Oh. Like, not well, but, you know, I'm trying. (laughs) I got the little, I got the iPod Pro, iPad Pro on the desk with the keyboard. It's this whole setup. It looks like I could launch the space shuttle from this rolling desk, (laughs) and it's only 18 by 38 inches in in shape, you know, rectangle. Um, It's very small, but I can roll it out, and I'm like podcaster extraordinaire. Nice. At some point, uh... I have a diagram of the setup at work at, at the store, but I'm eventually converting that to this. And at some point, I will send you everything so you'll know exactly where you can graduate to. You know, whether it's the soft filter on the lens, the camera that yes. I use is, is really high end. Like, I spared no expense to this, but it's sort of like, okay, this is what you, you know, if you could have the perfect whole shebang, this is the shebang. Because now I want a MacBook Air so that I have no fans. Because <laughs> you can hear the fan on this laptop, but you can always get a Mac Mini and stick it under the table and they won't hear the fan as well. But the problem is that my bedroom, where I do the podcasting, is right near, uh, you know, the big fan outside that, you know, you runs your HVAC. Oh, yeah, so yeah. When that fan turns on, this microphone picks it up. If the lounge next door has a band, it picks it up very distant. You know, I'd have to be in a soundproof room. So it's it's really, you know, I am contemplating building uh, a second floor to our house and making it a, um, a, a camelback. And I want a really big oh. uh, Moroccan-style Moroccan master bedroom, a walk-in Ooh. closet, and a bathroom. And I think if I did that, I would create a podcasting uh, room. Oh, there you go. You know, small, just small, but it would be entirely soundproof. That's awesome. I mean, that's like, that's like every podcaster's like dream right there. Yeah, and then it, and maybe it'll double as a panic room. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, can I say goodnight? Sure. Because I want to eat something. Okay. Um, uh, but I want to thank everybody who listens to this, and uh, you know, if you're not completely horrified. 
you know, <laughs> and if you are completely horrified, tell your friends. But if you're not completely horrified, you know, the, the, the wisdom here is follow your own light. You're not accountable to anybody but the gods. Maybe the law, obviously. Well, but, yeah. you know, this idea that somehow we're beholden to the rest of people, we're not. You know, own your power. Don't buckle under everybody who screams at you. Because most of the time, it's nothing but noise. And come to WitchCon, witchcon.com. And if you go to warlocksinc.com, that will link to everything we do. You know, that's like the math. I, I'm not sure if it does link to WitchCon now that I mention that. But witchcon.com. <laughs> and it is selling crazy. So if, you, if it is something you're remotely interested in, you know, and you want to attend live, make sure you get in before, uh, you know, we sell out to a thousand and know that you are able to buy into it after it's over, but then you're not seeing anything live. And some people might like that experience, especially with the vendors, because we have live sales throughout the day. So literally we have people doing live sales sessions where you can huh. buy. Yeah. Well, perfect. I'm going to make sure to get all those links from you. Thank you so much for being on. I know we didn't get to talk a whole lot of ghost stuff, but it just means I have to have you on at another point. I didn't even think of that. I'm sorry. It's okay. I, it's just an excuse to have you on later. Well, I'm a very in-the-moment sort of person, so, you know, welcome to the world of Christian <laughs> Day. <laughs> I mean, have a wonderful that's why night. I like you. Uh, you too, Thanks. sir. Have a great night. Make sure to say hi to Brian for me. I will. Blessings to everyone. Mm, night, sir. A big thank you to everyone out there listening today. And of course, a huge thank you to my guest, Mr. Christian Day. Make sure to check out WitchCon, which is happening this weekend. You can find it at witchcon.com. If you like the podcast, please rate and review me on your favorite podcast apps. It goes a long way to helping other people find me. Especially those Apple podcast listeners. Just saying. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please subscribe to the Patreon page. I've been adding more video evidence of our last ghost hunt to the Patreon page, so go and check it out when you can. And you can support the podcast for as little as $2 a month. And that is it for this show. I'll see you all next week on my Haunted Life podcast. Bye.